Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host for the program. This is Episode 2 of Season 2, brought to you today by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men be great on the court and in the community. Their alumni include major college and NBA players. If you'd like more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, Log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. Well, a pretty good start to the road trip for the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll cover that in That Was the Week That Was. As per usual, we'll have a handful of Petey's points as well as we look back at the first two games of this road trip, both at Staples Center on consecutive nights. And then we'll welcome back, actually, a friend of the program, Rick Kamla. You can hear him on Sirius XM NBA Radio. He is on daily on the Give and Go Show with Antonio Daniels. We recorded a nice conversation before the season started. Got some preseason thoughts from him on what he thought about the Memphis Grizzlies and uh, also some of the other major storylines going on in the NBA. But we will start, as we always do, when we are in season with That Was the Week That Was. So the Grizzlies started their road trip at Staples Center Saturday night against the Los Angeles Clippers. And, of course, the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. He is the major missing piece for them right now. They're also missing Serge Ibaka, who is still recovering from back surgery. So he was not available as well. Uh, This was a game that uh, was really highly competitive, very good back and forth. Um, Clippers led it 34-25 after one quarter, shot 48% from the floor, and the Grizzlies turned it over three times. And so it wasn't exactly the best start for the Grizzlies in that quarter. John Morant had seven for the Grizzlies. Desmond Bain hit a couple of threes, but it was Paul George who was fantastic all night long. He started the first quarter with 10 points. Grizzlies mounted a comeback in the second quarter of the game. They got eight in the period from DeAnthony Melton and John Morant as well, and seven from Jaron Jackson Jr. So at halftime, the Grizzlies had three within double figures, and after the Clippers had gone up 13, the Grizzlies had melted the deficit down to three, 62-59 after the first half of play. Uh, The Grizzlies hadn't played necessarily their best basketball. They were struggling to defend because the Clippers were shooting very well at 50% from the floor. The Grizzlies were also minus six on the glass, uh, which was highly unusual for them and being outscored in the paint. Third quarter is where this game really started to turn. Uh, John Moran and Stephen Adams with 11 apiece in the period. Grizzlies didn't get any scoring off their bench in the period um, to speak of outside of a, a hoop from Kyle Anderson. Grizzlies now at the third quarter mark were shooting 51% from the floor. They had 12 triples, and they had now pulled even in the rebounding department. And they were now in a position where they were leading 97 to 89. They led by as many as 16 in the third quarter, but the Clippers were starting to close. Grizzlies were able to hold them off in the fourth and final quarter, despite the fact that, you know, Paul George, going back to the third quarter, Paul George actually had 17 points in the third quarter. He was single handedly the guy who was keeping the Clippers in this ball game, and he added 10 more points in the fourth. Paul George ended up with 41. Grizzlies get a huge three from Jaron Jackson Jr. down the stretch, and for the second consecutive game, the five Grizzlies starters 
all accounting for 100 or more points. Grizzlies only got 13 off their bench, and they end up winning the ball game 120 to 114. Again, it was a situation where the Grizzlies overcame a double-digit deficit. They put 50 in the paint, ended up shooting 47% from the floor, and really outside of Paul George, the Los Angeles Clippers did not have much cooking in the way of offense in the fourth quarter. And this has been a situation for the Clippers uh, last year and especially in the playoffs. When you get into a clutch situation, which is defined by the NBA as the final five minutes and the margin is within five points, Clippers actually had a losing record last year, and they really struggled in the playoffs in those situations as well. The Clippers are great front runners when they have a big lead, but when the game gets tight down the stretch, and particularly without a go-to guy like Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers were in trouble. But Jaron Jackson Jr. hit a big three. Desmond Bain with a fadeaway two in the deep corner with a shot clock running down kept the Grizzlies in front as the Clippers tried to mount a comeback and again the comeback was simply Paul George and and not much else uh, Reggie Jackson did have 17 points in the ball game. Good bench pop. Isaiah Hartenstein saw his first action of the season. He had 11. Luke Kennard with 10 for the Clippers. Um, and the Grizzlies go on and they win the game 120 to 114 over the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, Grizzlies were tasked with a very, very tough back-to-back as they would be taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Lakers were a bit salty, as you might expect. They were wrapping a three-game homestand to start the season. They had lost to Golden State. They had lost to Phoenix, and uh, people were saying that they were old. Uh, Yeah, they are old. They have a handful of players that they have brought back for second tours of duty with the Lakers. They are also severely injured right now. Trevor Ariza is out with a right ankle injury. Wayne Ellington is out. Talon Horton Tucker is out. Uh, they're, and Kend- they're missing Kendrick Nunn with a right knee bone bruise. And so one of the things that the Lakers needed to address in the offseason was their perimeter shooting, and uh, this would actually prove to be decisive in the game. Grizzlies got off to a good start, led by 10 early, but the Lakers were able to reel them in after one quarter thanks to 10 points from Anthony Davis. John Moran with eight in the period for the Grizzlies. It was 29-24 after one quarter of play. Moving to the second quarter, that's when Desmond Bain started to heat up for the Grizzlies. He had nine. Morant had nine as well. And the Grizzlies coming back from a 12-point deficit trailed just 62-56 through the first two quarters of play. Russell Westbrook started 0 for 5 from the floor. He hit four shots in quick succession. He had nine points in that second quarter, and Anthony Davis with 13 for the first half. But Morant was the leading scorer for both sides with 17 in the first half. Big issue for the Grizzlies in the first half. They were minus 10 in transition points. Lakers put up 15 fast break points. They converted all six of their fast break opportunities. Grizzlies, meanwhile, converted just two of six. So transition defense and offense were both issues for the Grizzlies in the first half of play. Now we move forward to the third quarter, and John Morant, this was, again, you know, the Grizzlies' third quarter against the Clippers the night before. It was the third quarter again for the Grizzlies. They outscored the Lakers 34-25. They get 10 from John Morant, and the Grizzlies finally started to get some bench production. Anderson, Clark, Tillman, who was seeing the floor for the first time this season, also got some run, also got some points on the board. And Zaire Williams, uh, loving the corner three-point shot. That has become his shot. Grizzlies clinging to a three-point lead heading into the fourth quarter. 
Um, they held the Lakers without a transition score in the third period, but they only got two points in transition themselves. But the Grizzlies, with a three-point lead heading to the fourth quarter, uh, you had to feel pretty good about maybe where this was going for the Grizzlies. However, then Carmelo Anthony happened. Um, hit six of eight from three for the game. He had 12 of his 28 in the fourth quarter, and that was the decisive moment in the game. Uh, again, all five Grizzly starters in double figures, limited production from the bench, but Carmelo Anthony, 10 of 15 from the floor, and as I said, six of eight from three. Uh, Anthony Davis finished with 22, and, and LeBron James, just a, a solid fourth quarter where he scored eight of his 19 points, and the Lakers went on to win at 121 to 118. This was a, a situation where Kent Bazemore, with the Grizzlies down three, he fouled John Morant on a three-point shot, but John made only two of the three, and the Lakers were able to close it out 121 to 118. So the Lakers in the process getting their first victory of the season, and the Grizzlies are handed their first loss of the season. So a split of the back-to-back in Los Angeles between the Grizzlies and the Clippers and the Lakers. And that does it for That Was the Week That Was. Time now for Petey's Points. And Petey's Point number one, great competitive spirit by this Grizzlies team. Uh, They have really bought into Taylor Jenkins' mantra of next play. Forget about the last play. You can't bring it back. There's nothing you can do about it. So just go ahead and, and, and play the next play. And play it precisely. Play it with effort. Uh, play it with great competitive spirit. And that's what we saw from this Grizzlies team. They came back from a double-digit deficit on the road. It was the Clippers' home opener. Uh, so it was not an easy game for the Grizzlies by any stretch of the imagination. And so that was really important for them. PD's point number two, and and this might be the most obvious PD's point of them all, John Morant right now is playing at an absolute all-star level. Double-double, 40 points, 10 assists against the Lakers. Um, What you like about what John Morant is doing right now is his shot selection. He's not settling for perimeter jump shots. Now, he was particularly hot from three against the Lakers. He had five of seven from distance. I don't know if that's the new norm or if that's an aberration or somewhere in the middle. But the fact that he can get to the rim against pretty much anybody at any time and finish with either hand makes him an incredibly dangerous player. And obviously, I mean, he scored 40 points and had 10 assists. So he certainly was the man of the match as far as the Grizzlies were concerned. He continues to play like this. Uh, he's going to be an all-star. And I think that it you it'll be interesting to see because, you know, you're going to be dealing with fan votes quite a bit. Are our fans around the country uh, going to vote for a small market player like John Morant? That will be very intriguing to see. But if he continues to play like this, it's not going to matter who votes. Uh, he's going to be in the All-Star game, maybe not as a starter, but certainly as a reserve. Begs the question, will he be able to keep this up? Will his motor be able to run at this high of an RPM going forward? Grizzlies certainly hope that that will be the case. Remains to be seen, but I think we've seen John Morant take a quantum leap forward based on what we've seen in the first three regular season games. And we started to see it in the playoff series against the Utah Jazz. Started to see it in the play-in tournament as well. And so he's just playing at a phenomenally high, high level right now. It's great to see. He's fun to watch. And there were people leaving the building in Lakers gear who were talking all about John Morant. They weren't talking about Carmelo Anthony. They weren't talking about LeBron James. They were talking about John Morant. He's got that type of buzz around the league right now. And I think that that is, uh, it's great for the city of Memphis. It's great for the franchise. I think it's great for the NBA. Uh, Final PD's point. 
Steven Adams has continued to impress as a passer, a big body, sets great screens, great communicator, uh, appears to be a good on-floor leader for the Grizzlies as well. And I know a lot of people uh, fell in love with Jonas Valanciunas. He's a great guy, very good basketball player, double-double machine. Um, Adams getting his first double-double as a Grizzly with 14 and 16. Eight of the 16 rebounds were on the offensive end. And I think the Grizzlies fans are going to start to fall in love with Steven Adams if they haven't already. We know that he's a big body, screens, rebounds, uh, gets putbacks. What we didn't realize about Steven Adams was what a great passer he is. And I think that that is uh, the biggest piece for the Grizzlies, his ability to be a playmaker, uh, maybe even a little bit better than Jonas Valanciunas. I think that that has been a real benefit for the Memphis Grizzlies. And so those are the PD's points for today. And before we get you to the friend of the program, we want to tell everybody that the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network, is brought to you today by DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA is back, and at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA, the key to victory is a strong starting five. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. So why not make your roster Washington, 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 and... Oh, yeah, Washington. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And with that, we hope that you continue to enjoy the Grizz Weekly Grind. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Certainly hope that you will subscribe to the podcast as well. Uh, with a few games uh, in the books and two more coming on this road trip, would love to hear your questions and uh, your comments. My DMs are open on Twitter, and I would like to open up the mailbag when I do another road trip edition. We'll be recording one uh, from Portland and uh, or maybe San Francisco, depending on where we are on a on a particular day. But if you've got questions, send them to me. Uh, Twitter handle is at Pete Pranica. Go ahead, send those questions, and uh, hopefully we will open up the mailbag in episode three. Three, which should drop this coming Thursday. Rick Kamla, uh, he has been around the NBA for a long, long time, very avid fantasy basketball player, very uh, well-read and uh, well-respected talk show host on Sirius XM NBA Radio. He is the co-host, along with Anthony Daniels, of the Give and Go program, which you can hear weekdays on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Rick is a big fan of the Memphis Grizzlies and a good friend, and today he is our friend of the program, Rick Hamlin. Rick, it is, it is, fin- it is finally here, uh, the start of a new NBA season, and what is it, the third season we've had in like the last 12 months? But it's great to be back at it, right? Oh, man, is it great to be back? Um, you know, the, uh, the the games have started. We've already got developments with with the fit of Russell Westbrook in L.A. 
Uh, obviously, the Nets really missing Kyrie Irving, I thought, in, in their opening night game and their loss to Milwaukee. Uh, many, many storylines to come. Uh, I've got my eye on your uh, new look Grizzlies, Pete, uh, and, and how it's going to look with the ch- a lot of changes uh, that they've made in the offseason. So, yeah, I'm very excited that basketball's back. Rick, I know you're a big, big Grizzlies fan. Tell me why you are so excited to see the Memphis Grizzlies go into action. Uh, two main reasons, uh, Pete. One is John ja Morant. Um, where does he take this? Uh, you know, does he does he expand? Uh, you know, the game to three. Um, does he take the stats to to another level? Right? Does he become a, a twenty and ten uh, point guard as opposed to you know he's got very good stats right now, but does he become a twenty ten guy? Uh, you know, does he because he's just on this like meteoric rise he's on like uh, on a plane that's leaving the tarmac and and you know and and on its ascent to 35,000 feet so does he get to 35,000 feet you know made the playoffs last year y'all won a game um it's all heading in the right direction but where does Ja take it from here um I think there's only upside I don't think there's any downside to what's going on there and then the second reason is Jaron Jackson Jr. who I became a big fan of at uh, at Michigan State uh, the ability to rim protect, the ability to splash threes um, is very, very rare. And he's one of the best combinations of that in the world. Gets the extension. And uh, obviously, he's removed now from the meniscus tear, the surgery, uh, and, the, and the recovery and all of that. Came back at the end of last year. But, uh, but where does he take his game? And, and how much five does he play? You know, and, and, uh, and um, you know, does he, does he get to be a better rebounder this year? Uh, a lot of questions about him, but again, it's all upside. I don't see any downside uh, with Jaron Jackson Jr. I don't see any uh, uh, downside with John ja Morant. Very, very excited to see where they take this this year. And of course, you're a big Dylan Brooks fan. Uh, Dylan not, will, will not be available for the first couple of weeks, at least while the hand fracture settles in. And, and it appeared, you know, Rick, it was interesting at training camp. We, we talked to Dylan and he said, yeah, it feels fine. And then they took some imaging and then all of a sudden, well, he's going to be reevaluated in two to three weeks. Uh, like I said, I know you're a big Dylan Brooks fan. Tell me why you like Dylan Brooks and what do you think his absence will mean for this team? Cause it's a brutal start to the season for the Grizzlies because you go West and you've got both LA teams, you've got Portland and golden state. And then, Oh, by the way, you come home from Miami and then two against Denver. Uh, it's not exactly an easy start for the Grizzlies. No, it's not. Um, I'm a big Dylan Brooks fan because he he's, he's a dog because he's got that big old barking dog in him. He plays both ends of the court. He's extremely feisty and competitive and raw and those are my types of guys. I mean, how bad do you want it? Are, you know, are you, are you in this for the lifestyle and the cash and the cars and the homes and all of the other fruits that come along with it? Or is all that cool, but you got to win tonight. And if you don't win tonight, you're ticked off. And, and life stinks, at least for a minute. Those are the guys that, that I appreciate. Those are the guys that I would want on my team. Um, guys like P.J. Tucker, guys like Pat Beverly, guys like Marcus Smart. I love those guys. Draymond Green, you, you have to have those guys to win. And the Grizzlies have a really good one in Dylan Brooks. And, oh, by the way, he's a 17-point-per-game guy. Now, uh, also, Pete, um, embedded in all of that, and I don't try, not trying to water any of that down, um, I'm a big fan of Dylan Brooks in the fantasy basketball uh, realm because uh, he steals the ball and he hits a lot of threes. And, and you have to have those two categories uh, to win in fantasy basketball. I call it fantasy gold 
Uh, blocks are in that uh, realm, too. Those are rare statistics that you have to have to beat your opponent. Dylan Brooks, uh, Pete, just so you know, is always slept on in fantasy leagues. It's like it's like he's just off the radar, and so he's a personal favorite of mine. Um, I'm able to wait on him and get him late in drafts and, uh, and then beat people with Dylan Brooks. And so, yes, I'm a little bummed. I've got him in many, many leagues, Pete, so I'm a little bit bummed that he's not going to be able to start the season. But I'm also uh, reassured that it's not, you know, a torn labrum in his shoulder or, or a hip problem or, you know, cartilage damage in his rib or God forbid a high ankle sprain or, you know, some kind of knee problem, right? It's, it's a, it's a hand thing. Uh, as soon as it's healed, he'll be good to go and, and he'll be that uh, great two-way player that he is uh, soon enough. But, uh, but yeah, I'm a big fan of Dylan Brooks for a lot of reasons. A lot of storylines at the start of the season. And we joked about this before I hit record, uh, the whole Ben Simmons situation in Philadelphia, where he refuses to participate in a defensive drill. Doc Rivers says, you know, what, just just go home. It, it, what is the end game that you see for the Ben Simmons saga in Philadelphia? Uh, I know you talk a lot about it on Give and Go with Antonio Daniels, but uh, re, re, regurgitate some of that for our listeners. Yeah. And you, you ask a great question. What is the end game here? Um, Ah, man. And in terms of that, Ben doesn't have his hand on the steering wheel, Pete. He doesn't. He, he thinks he does. He wants it. Uh, in the player empowerment era, uh, players put their hand on the steering wheel of, of their career and they swerve it where they want to swerve it. Daryl Morey is not allowing Ben Simmons to do that. Ben Simmons reportedly demanded a trade after the season ended and Daryl Morey has shopped him. But I don't believe that Daryl Morey has negotiated in good faith because a lot of the deals, proposals have been reported and they're crazy. And Daryl Morey wants everything. He wants players. He wants picks. He wants all of this stuff. And the teams around the league have been like, no, you're nuts. Like, we like Ben. We'll give you stuff for Ben, but we're not going to give you you know, an all-star level player, a nice young prospect and five or six future draft assets where he's not worth that. And, and so Daryl is looking at it like, and again, according to reports, um, you know, he only wants Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal, uh, who's even more stuck in Washington than Lillard is out there in Portland. And uh, Lillard, as we speak, you know, Pete, I'm just getting off the air. Big news out of Portland is that Damian Lillard meeting with the media emphatically said, I'm not leaving Portland. I'm not leaving Portland. Uh, Jason Quick of The Athletic had a great article uh, in which Damian Lillard spoke of uh, his relationship with Chauncey Billups and how they had many conversations over the offseason about uh, and just, just becoming friends and just getting on the same page. And Dame explained to The Athletic that that was, in his words, a big deal um, and in terms of, and again, this is me sort of paraphrasing, but a big deal in terms of taking Dame from, eh, I may want to leave to, nah, I'm good in Portland. So that all impacts Ben Simmons because Daryl Morey is playing the long game, the waiting game. Um, and, and really the, these trade scenarios are all a charade because Daryl doesn't want CJ McCollum or D'Angelo Russell or Malcolm Brogdon. He wants Damian Lillard. And so all of these outlandish trades have been purposely put out to be declined because Daryl Morey does not want to trade Ben Simmons for anybody other than Damian Lillard. And so he's been game playing Ben Simmons and Ben is ticked off about it. And that's why he held out and he ended his holdout. And then, um, you know, some time ago in a practice, I uh, was being insubordinate and, uh, and didn't do what Doc Rivers wanted him to. Doc kicked him out of practice. Ben said, fine. And he went home. 
and he literally took his ball and went home. Um, and so what is the end game here? Um, ben obviously wants to get traded, and he, he's reportedly open to being traded to any of the other 29 teams. Um, but more importantly here is the end game for Daryl, because Daryl has not allowed this player to put his hand on the steering wheel of his career like every other star player gets. Daryl has said, no, I'm not allowing that. And, and he's drawing that line in the sand. And so Ben is going to have to go along for the ride here and go with the flow here. And what Daryl wants, Pete, and you know this, Daryl wants Ben to, to spill a pint of blood on the basketball court for two months until mid-December when he can then survey the entire league with a bunch of other guys becoming eligible to be traded. So he wants two months of Ben Simmons kicking ass for him and getting him wins. And then he wants to flip Ben Simmons to Portland for uh, Damian Lillard, hoping that Portland stinks and gets off to a 10 and 20 start. So, so that's the best I got for you right now. The end game for Ben is to play somewhere else, anywhere else. The end game for Daryl is to get Damian Lillard. Now the whole thing is, does Portland get off to a bad start? At which point Dame may want to hit the escape hatch. The, the real kicker for Daryl is if Portland is 20 and 10 after 30 games or, uh, you know, 18 and 13 after 31 games and feeling good about themselves. And Damian Lillard is not going to ask out because his team is winning. Okay. Then what Daryl, then what is your end game at that point? Um, and it's going to be very interesting to watch how it plays out. But, but Pete, I don't think we're going to get resolution on this uh, for a couple of months. I, I think it's going to be like a Christmas present for the basketball world, possibly um, that uh, Ben is either traded here or traded there. But I think we're, we're still going to have to wait for at least a couple of months. It might be a Christmas present that actually does come on Christmas. But you're right. A, a great article by Jason Quick, who has been in Portland forever. And, you know, so much was made of what Damian said after the Blazers were eliminated and he was unhappy. And then the coaching search that resulted in the hire of Chauncey Billups. The fact of the matter is, you get eliminated from the playoffs and you can't get out of the first round over multiple years, you are going to be a little salty and you are going to be looking for changes to be made. I guess that's where Lillard was at that point in time, but as you get some distance between the playoff elimination and the hiring of Billups, now like, okay, well, yeah, let's see what we can do. Because Damian Lillard is very loyal to the city of Portland. He is very loyal to that organization. And I think that he's going to give Chauncey an opportunity to prove himself as a head coach in Portland. So the question is, if, if for whatever reason, the Simmons does not play, Daryl Morey is lacking an asset because we've got a guy who's sitting out and he can't get any assets in return as in zero to get anybody to play for him. So it, that will be an intriguing storyline. What is another big storyline that you are going to be tracking and are very curious to see how it will play out over the first couple months of the season? Well, Kyrie Irving in, in Brooklyn, um, Pete, uh, I, I don't believe that he's going to get vaccinated. And I don't have intel on this. This is just me and, I, and, and you know, an impartial um, sideline observer. Um, just knowing what we know about Kyrie Irving, he's, he's very individualistic. He's very unique. He's very different um, and in a lot of positive ways. But I don't believe that he is uh, is easily persuaded um, or coerced or or you know peer pressured in, into making a change and into a drastic life change that obviously he does not want to do, and and so I don't believe that he's going to get vaccinated. I also Pete don't believe that New York is going to change its rules anytime soon which is going to create a situation where he remains away from the team and the Nets have to move on without him and, uh, and try to win without him. Now, Pete, as we saw on, on opening night against the Bucks, 
I believe that the Nets lost that basketball game because Kyrie Irving could not play. And it's, it's an obvious take, but, but it's, but it's, it's the reality of what's going on here. Um, and, and think about this, Pete, like the Nets are not going to necessarily miss Kyrie Irving against SAC, Minnesota, Cleveland, and God bless those teams, but teams like that. Kevin Durant, James Harden, and all the other pieces are going to be well and good enough to get the job done. But when you are playing Milwaukee, the Lakers, the Suns, the Jazz, uh, the Heat, um, you know, the 76ers that they can get whole, you know, the best of the best, it's going to be a problem without Kyrie Irving. And his 25, uh, you know, and last year it was six rebounds, seven assists, and 50, 40, 90. He's, he's a top 15 talent in this game. So, so Brooklyn is going to take on losses that they would not ordinarily take on without Kyrie. Um, a lot of people, Pete, believe right now, uh, knowing that Kyrie Irving most likely will not play a game for the Nets this year, a lot of people still are totally believing in the Nets to win it all. Las Vegas right now, in terms of their odds, they have the Brooklyn Nets as roughly twice as likely to win the gold ball as the Los Angeles Lakers and this is like updated odds, knowing that Kyrie might not play a game with the Nets this year. I do not agree with that. I don't understand how you can just ignore the absence of one of the best players in the NBA and just assume that the Nets are going to keep it moving. Um, and, and as successful um, a, a clip as it with or without Kyrie. He's a top 15 player. You can't just make that up with Patty Mills and Bruce Brown and James Johnson. You can't do that. So um, I do think L.A. is going to win it all. And, and I thought this before the Kyrie drama came down. I feel even better about it now. So, you know, how about you? Like, we all make our predictions. Um, did you predict the Brooklyn Nets to win it all? And then with the Kyrie thing, did that change your opinion whether the Nets would win it all or not? Well, I think if they're whole, they certainly have the inside track. I, I think they have the most talent. My only query about the Lakers is – age, the 82-game season, and the chemistry of everybody coming together. Now, if the Lakers stay healthy, they stay energized, and they're able to manage the minutes properly for everybody, well, then the Lakers are going to be awfully, awfully tough to beat. But I agree with you. If Kyrie Irving does not play at all for the Brooklyn Nets, it's going to be very, very hard for them maybe even get back to the Eastern Conference Finals, let alone the NBA Finals, because he is that difference maker. He is that guy who puts you over the top. Uh, when you are talking about playing the elite teams, when when you're playing, you know, the the, the bottom dwellers, uh, the cellar dwellers of the standings, it's not going to matter as much. You're right. They've, they've got more than enough firepower. But when they're playing the elite and when you get deep in the season, you're going to miss his ability. I, I think it's going to be magnified tenfold. Uh, final thing for Rick Kamler, our friend of the program today on the Grizz Weekly Grind. You can hear him with Antonio Daniels on Give and Go weekdays on Sirius XM NBA radio. The Grizzlies. Right now, Rick, I think our the sixth seed, it may be a little bit of a stretch in a very competitive Western Conference. I see them battling for one of the play-in seeds. They're probably going to have to win a play-in game, maybe two to get back to the playoffs. What's a team that missed the playoffs last year that you think will be in the playoffs this year in the Western Conference? I've got my pick. I want to hear yours. Interesting. Uh, for me, it's Golden State. I believe, and it's it's chalky, right? It, it's it's a chalky prediction, um, but uh, I, Golden State and Memphis, to me, uh, Pete, are, are are right. They're tangled up together. 
Um, I've got Golden State uh, finishing seventh, and I've got Memphis finishing eighth. And there's not going to be a big separation between the two. And I actually think both of those teams are going to give Denver, Dallas, and L.A., the Clippers, a run for their money in terms of getting into the top six. It would not shock me if the Golden State Warriors or the Grizzlies got into the top six. It's not what I'm predicting, but it would not shock me if that happened. Um, Golden State, Pete, um, you know, obviously Clay is coming back, but we don't know when. Maybe January, uh, maybe the All-Star break. It, it's kind of, you know, maybe December, but it's all sort of touch and go with that. But they made a bunch of really good moves in the offseason, getting Otto Porter, getting Nemanja Bialica, who was spectacular on opening night, bringing back Andre Iguodala, who was big on opening night, uh, the development of Jordan Poole, uh, the hotshot shooter out of Michigan, who now is a walking 20-point-per-game guy. Um, and you still have Wig. You still have Draymond. Of course, you still have MVP candidate Steph, Stephen Curry. So, um, so they're, really, uh, they're really headed in a good direction here. And, uh, and, and I think they're going to finish ahead of the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I don't believe that Golden State is going to you know, lose in the play-in tournament um, and, and go home. I, I think they're going to be in the playoffs. And as it stacks up right now on my board, uh, the two seven first round series in the Western Conference would be the Utah Jazz and the Golden State Warriors. And uh, something you're very familiar with from last year, uh, having faced uh, you know, a Grizzlies and Jazz first round series. And so that's how I view it. How about you? I'm right there with you with Golden State. You know, you look at the, and I know small sample size, you look at the opening night victory over the Los Angeles Lakers and you see Steph Curry with a triple double and you realize that this is a really good basketball team. And I have known Steve Kerr for a long, long time, back to his playing days. We were together in Portland for a year. You never bet against Steve Kerr. You know that they have a winning culture in place. You have a healthy Steph Curry. Uh, you get Clay Thompson back at some point, And now you realize that, yeah, this is going to be a really, really good basketball team. So I, I would concur with you that Memphis and Golden State are going to be jockeying for seven and eight and putting a scare into the sixth seed at some point. Um, we'll just have to wait and see how it all shakes out. And, you know, there's so many things that we can't predict at this point because there, there will be injuries. There will be other things going on this season. But uh, Rick, it is so glad, or so I am so glad, I should say, that I'll be able to travel as part of our broadcast crew, and we're kind of sort of getting back to normal. We're now back on a normal schedule, and and, and it feels good to be that way. Oh yeah, and uh, Pete, you know I'm a big football fan uh, and baseball fan, and I'm watching, uh, you know, the Major League Baseball playoffs right now, and. Uh, L.A. got this big comfort behind victory against the Braves. And just it was just a sea of people moving. Um, Reminded me of like a concert and like, uh, you know, you look at the mosh pit, you know, uh, with with one of these concerts in Germany with like 300,000 people. It's just a sea of humanity all moving um, seemingly in unison. Uh, Obviously, uh, in the NBA, hearing the roar of the crowd after big shots, um, watching the NFL and college football and seeing the fans there. Um, it, it just, it warms my heart, man. It makes me happy. Like, uh, Pete, I'm all alone in my living room watching games and I smile, right? It's kind of geeky. It's kind of weird, but, um, it just makes me very, very happy that, uh, you know, that we're, if we're not back to normal, we're, we're, we're getting there, uh, inch by inch, but seeing all these fans in the arenas and in the stadiums, it it, it means a lot, man. And I, I know that you guys down there, um, at the grindhouse, you have one of the best fan bases in the NBA, uh, and passionate and loud and ornery and make it very difficult on the opposition. That's actually an advantage for the Grizzlies. So missing that was like 
you know, maybe missing half of a player or something like that. So getting it back is definitely uh, very much in Memphis's favor, man. And I, I can't wait to watch and see how it unfolds. Well, that makes two of us. Rick, it is always good to talk to you. It is great to be talking about an NBA season that isn't months from now, but it is right here. It is upon us, and uh, we're getting this ship underway, and it feels really, really good. Rick, thank you so much for the time, and uh, we will uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Pete, thank you so much, man. I'll be watching you and Brevin on League Pass. Keep up the great work. And we thank Rick for being with us today as our friend of the program, and that is a wrap for Season 2, Episode 2 of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Grizzlies still have a couple of games uh, to play. They will play Wednesday night at Portland and Thursday night at Golden State. Then they will fly back on Friday and get ready to host the Miami Heat on Friday, the night before Halloween. Or on Saturday, I beg your pardon, Saturday. They'll fly, fly back on Friday, and they'll play the game on Saturday against the Miami Heat the day before Halloween. And um, hope you get some tickets and head on down to FedEx Forum, grizzlies.com or 901-888-HOOP to get your tickets, and uh, we'll see you at FedEx Forum. Again, uh, this has been the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, your host for the program. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.